Welcome to the Airmail Podcast. Airmail is an e-card platform where you can set your thoughts free via text or email. My name is Mel and I am the owner of Airmail eCards and the host of this podcast. You will find all of our podcasts to be just as uninhibited as our cards. So pull up a virtual chair and join in. This month's podcast focuses on how women are viewed by their dress. I will introduce our guest and give some background on each person, and then we will jump right into the podcast. It is a pleasure to introduce my esteemed guest. Let me begin with Magda Walker. Magda was born in Michigan. She is a graduate of Western Michigan University, a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, and an ordained minister. Magda is the author of two Christian books, From Faith to Faith and His Treasure, a wife of 35 years, a parent of two adult children, and a grandparent of three grandchildren. She is also an entrepreneur. Magda, along with her husband, Dwayne, have opened two popcorn shops in Maryville and Gary, Indiana. Their shops are Chicagoland Popcorn LLC, and they are trendy, award-winning gourmet popcorn shops specializing in making over 250 flavors of premium handcrafted popcorn. Be sure to go online and check them out. She is the treasurer of the South Suburban Cultural Enrichment Organization, which produces the premier cotillion and botillion in the South Suburban area of Chicago. Welcome, Magda. Thank you, Melanie. So excited to be with you today. Thank you. I'm glad to have you. Mm -hmm. Next, let's welcome Kristen Cochran. Kristen was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Kristen graduated from Georgia State University with a bachelor's in clinical health informatics and received a bachelor's in nursing from Mercer University. She is a registered nurse working as a travel nurse and hopes to broaden her horizon by walking into the plans God has ordained for her. Kristen is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. Welcome, Kristen. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here with me. Okay, ladies, let's begin. According to Psychology Today and PhD Audrey Nelson, women are constantly under the spotlight more than men. 40% of girls nine through 16 think that there has been an increase in media sexism towards women. 39% said that that media sexism has hurt their self-confidence. Magda, do you find this to be a true statement since you work with young girls? Melanie, I'm going to have to say that I do. Um, I think that our young ladies um, are under so much pressure to um, conform to the ideal standards of beauty and um, I'm encouraged uh, since the Me Too movement that we have lots of companies now, or more companies, I shouldn't say lots, but more companies um, such as Dove and Athletica and, and so many others that um, are helping our young ladies to um, love the body they were blessed with and they were born with. But I think there still is too much media attention on that perfect figure, that perfect hairstyle, that perfect makeup look, that perfect look. I do believe our young ladies are under significant pressure. I do. I, I tend to agree with you. Um, 
So Kristen, um, it's also stated that social media focuses on what female leaders had on in Congress, including the vice president, rather than their leadership. So Kristen, do you feel like too much attention is put on dress and not substance? Absolutely. I see that. I see that quite often, actually, how I think it definitely comes from different things over time, but also kind of like a hypersexualization of women in general. So then it's like, because these different looks in, in figures are praised so much more than often to even answer the, your previous question that that is putting pressure on a lot of young girls to kind of like have a certain figure, have a shape, the BBL epidemic. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that or have heard of it, but mm -hmm. I do feel like it's, you know, it's all about like what you have on, what you wear, how how your hair is, how long is your hair, the texture of it. I feel like that it, it's it's so many layers to it. It goes to it can speak to colorism. Um, just it's so many different things. So I definitely do agree that it's a lot more attention and pressure put on you know what people have on rather than their substance. And I know I've seen like a lot of different posts or articles about um, even teachers. So it's like, you know, te you're teaching, you're here to serve, you know, young students. And it's it's not about what you have on. It's like they might be wearing something appropriate, but just their naturally God-given figure may accentuate it in a different way that could be looked upon as, you know, being sexual. And so it's like, we're not even looking at what the teacher's content is or what she's teaching the students, but more so gearing it towards like, oh, this is inappropriate. This is what she has on. So I do feel like a lot of people are, scrutinized for that instead of like you know like the content of who they are and like the the conversation in their their own intellect and, and you know I totally agree with that um so Magda how have the women on your previous jobs been viewed by their dress you know Melanie's um I read a Forbes article just recently that said a first impression is made within the first seven seconds. And in my previous life, um, and even really now as, a, as an entrepreneur, I can't minimize how important it is to always be appropriately dressed. And we get one opportunity to make that first impression, just one. And that first impression is going to be made within seven seconds. And I always, in fact, tell my own employees that you only get one opportunity. And so when folks come into our shop, um, even though I'm talking about customer service, how they are attired plays into all of that because it's all one package. It's, it's the employee who's dressed appropriately, who greets the customer openly and warmly and is there to serve. So I really believe that... Um, dress is important. I don't see how you can even um, separate it out from that first impression. I just don't. It's, it's all a part of, of what people see when they first meet you. Okay. All right. Well, many people believe that what women wear contributes to them being attacked. However, only 4.4% of all reported rapes and 22% of murder cases involve provocative behavior on the part of the woman, according to the Commission on Crime. It also found that most convicted felons couldn't even remember what their victims were wearing. So Kristen, are you surprised by this data? No, I'm not surprised by it. 
but I think that that was even a statistic that was even, you know, like gathered. I feel like that definitely speaks to, you know, like where society is with kind of like thinking of different things to the, to the point where we even have to like study, like, okay, was, was her, was her clothing, was her wear a part of why she got attacked? So I think that definitely speaks to it, but it doesn't surprise me that the, um, the percentage is so low because that's not, a guy's motive I mean it's not always about what she wears it's the fact that he's gonna do what he wants to do no matter what and I was actually reading an article about this um recently basically you know like victim blaming and so that's when the victim of a crime is entirely or partially quote-unquote at fault for the harm being done to them so it's like it's not fair to just judge that strictly off the basis of what someone has on because it's like the guy if he feels like he's gonna do that it, like he said you, they don't even remember what they have on for the most part because it doesn't matter they're gonna they're gonna do what they want to do to that woman i concur and Monta, um do you want to comment on, on how you feel about this data yes it's melanie's i totally agree with the data as well i think that anecdotally um, what we know is that rapists usually rape and they are crimes of opportunity, with the exception of the rapist who has stalked his victim. And so there's there's some other issue going on with a stalker. Um, but these are crimes of of just opportunity, whether it be male, female, or children. That person who is committing that rape is more controlled by power and the submission of his victim than by what they had on. It does not surprise me in the least bit that the majority of rapists when they're interviewed will say that clothing played virtually no no part in their decision to rape because I don't think clothing is a motivator for people who are bent out on that kind of crime. Okay. Well, I definitely believe that people are responsible for their actions. Whatever I choose to wear should not dictate your behavior. I believe right. that a man should control and regulate his behavior. And women uh -huh. are not responsible for what men do. So do you, did you know the studies found that passive women who tend to dress in layers, long sleeves, and high necklines are actually more likely to be raped? Even more disturbing, a study found that one in three college men said they would force someone to have sex if they could and get away with it. And that had no bearing whatsoever on clothing. Your thoughts, ladies, Kristen? Um, that that statistic and the even statement by college people, that's extremely unsettling because it, I mean, it's just, it's not even like, it's not premeditated because it's like, of course they haven't planned to do it, but it's just them knowing that, you know, like, hey, if I could get away with this, I would do it and I would get away with it. So it's the fact that that's even a thought of so many men is very unsettling, especially knowing like being a young woman in college. I mean, I am very petite and I was at a big school in the city. So it's like, of course, you're always looking over your shoulder just to make sure, you know, you're in the right time at the right place. But walking in a city, you're not always with somebody. So just to know that there's so many people around you thinking like that is very um, unsettling. But um, yeah, that the fact about a lot of women in layers that was a surprising fact to me because I feel like um, how Magda stated, you know, it's about power and submission and control. So I feel like if I had to think about it in those terms, it seems like they were 
more inclined to take advantage of a woman that they feel like was probably a little bit more submissive. And then they assume that off of her being covered up. So then that goes back to even our initial question anyway, you know, how so many women are judged off the basis of their clothing. Magda? Yes, I, you know something, I, I when I read that, um, it gave me pause. So let's, we've got two points here. So we've got the point about college men. Um, so here we go. I am my brother's keeper. And, and that's how I was raised. That's how generationally we've raised our children. But at some point, we've lost our way in terms of civility. So I'm also struggling with the notion that one in three college men said that they would force someone to have sex if they could get away with it. Mm -hmm. Because I think that goes to a deeper societal issue and mm -hmm. a deeper societal problem. Um, that civility, I don't want to say is dead, but we've, we've moved so far away from being responsible for our brothers, our brethren, and that's really what this is about, that we would take advantage of them if given the opportunity. So I'm struggling with that, but I think that's just a part of the moral decay that we're experiencing globally right now. Um, I believe that many families are recognized that and working. I know that there are lots of fraternal organizations and men's groups that are really embracing their young men and trying to actually teach them. Um, families, I think, are doing, we're, we're at a crossroads here. We've got to do a little bit better to make sure that our young men understand boundaries and understand really what the responsibilities are to their brethren, not just women, but to their brethren. So that's one point. But the second point is this. I was not surprised by the notion that um, if a woman dresses modestly, if a woman is um, completely covered up, if a woman is not being provocative, that she might be considered easy prey. And I think Kristen hit on that. Again, it goes back to that first seven seconds. So again, if I'm dressed more worldly, if I'm dressed more street, if I'm dressed um, differently, more, um, I guess worldly really would be the word, then a gentleman viewing me might view me as being a little tougher, um, that I might fight, might bite back if he approached me. But if he sees that I'm dressed more modestly, he might think that I'm more timid, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm quieter, I'm more passive, and it goes back to the first seven seconds. What we wear does affect how people think about us, good or bad. Now, I think societally, we've, we've kind of gotten off the mark a little bit, but that's another discussion for another podcast. <laughs> and, you know, and, and those are sad, sad statistics in themselves and yeah. disturbing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, let's, let's move uh, away from the violence for a moment. So um, do you think women should watch how they dress or should they wear whatever makes them comfortable? Does it depend on the venue? You know, everything is casual now, work, church. So let me just say, <laughs> I am not an ultra conservative dresser, but I have been looking at rear ends in church. And I believe we should dress for the venue. I don't want to see your rear end in church. Kristen, we will start with you. What, what are your thoughts on this subject? <laughs> I'm a firm believer that there is a time and a place for everything, but I'm also all in support of wear what you feel empowered in. As 
absolutely keep it appropriate, but I definitely want you to wear what you feel empowered in. If you know the saying, if you look good, you feel good. And I know like firsthand, like how you putting on like a beautiful gown or like a beautiful dress can make you feel like and elevate your confidence, elevate your self-esteem, like make you feel more expansive as a woman, enhance like your personal identity. So I, I'm all for keeping it appropriate, but I also believe that people should wear what they feel empowered in. Like if it's a little bit more eccentric, wear that. And to even speak to Magda's statement about, you know, the first seven seconds are important. That is true. Be, be, be in alignment with whoever you want to present yourself as, you know, like, I feel like we have the, the freedom and the space to do that, but then also know that wearing certain things, you might also present yourself in a way that you might not want to be perceived as, but it's like what you're wearing, it, sometimes it does come with that judgment. That doesn't make it right, but it does come with that as well. So I'm all for, you know, be bold, be fearless, be unapologetic and be confident in what you have on. Okay. Magda, what do you tell the girls in the cotillion group about the, how they should dress? This is something we've done from the beginning of the program over 20 some years now is that we really try to make sure that our young ladies, as well as our young men, I think what Kristen said is, is so paramount, that they dress for the occasion that you dress for the occasion. And there are societal norms, whether we like them or not. There are. And here's a couple that we don't even think that much about, but we all adhere to. We are not going to wear white to a wedding. Most people mm -hmm. understand. going to wear white to a wedding. The bride wears white. She might dictate that her bridesmaids can wear white, but nonetheless, they're still a part of the bridal party. But guests understand that they are not going to wear white to a wedding. There are certain societal norms that we have, and we just, we just adjust to them. So we try to teach our young people what those societal norms are, because this is what I, I don't mind there being societal norms, and I don't even mind you breaking them, but know that they exist and know that you're purposely breaking them. What I don't like is young people not knowing the norms and having no clue that they're breaking them. So we mm -hmm. basically try to teach our kids what the societal norms are so that they are empowered with that knowledge. That's really all it's about. You can, you can decide to dress differently, mm -hmm. but know, know that you're dressing differently and then understand that there might be consequences to it, but you've accepted the consequence, not going into it unblindly, but going into it blindly, going into it unblindly, I should say that. So that's our really, that's our goal with our, with our young adults in our cotillion program, just giving them knowledge so that they are equipped to go out and have, wear that power suit for an interview. So they are equipped to dress appropriately, to wear the right colors in the right season, to wear the appropriate heels with the right dress, um, mm -hmm. to, to understand that in some, um, some venues you need to have a jacket or a long sweater to cover um, the derriere. Knowing what those societal norms are is so important for our young people. I really like that because then there's so much power in being able to make that choice, but then it's like you have the tools to be able to make the choice from there. Absolutely. All about power is knowledge. It's all about giving our young people the knowledge that they need to be powerful people and to make powerful decisions. Mm -hmm. Well, that is certainly a good place to end. 
And I would like to thank you ladies for joining me on the podcast. And I would like to leave everyone with a positive quote from an anonymous author. And the quote goes, clothes aren't going to change the world. The women wearing them will. So go forth ladies and be dynamic. Happy Women's History Month to all the exceptional women making things happen. I would like to thank my guest today for joining the podcast. Please remember that it is important to continually connect with others. Be sure to go to airmail.me, that's A-I-R-M-E-L dot M-E, and send cards that tell others how you feel about them. Remember to subscribe to airmail.me and become a mailbird. You'll be the first to know when cards arrive. Your mail birth status will also notify you when discounts are available. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook at airmail.me, Instagram, airmail underscore me, and Twitter at airmail underscore me. Don't forget to listen out next month for our podcast, Airmail is Taking Flight. Bye for now.